Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello, welcome back, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. We're kicking into summer, it's official. So what's the title of today? I thought it was kind of fitting. The next monster, you might be wondering in your mind. It's summer. <laughs> Here we are, five months of 2016 down already, hunting and scratching as most see the churn as negative. A far larger perspective is where members are better served, keeping emotions in order as the baton is passed and the cylinders driving the economy engine shift. The barbell economy portfolio continues the process of focusing on the tailwinds of the demographic shift we are witnessing. Soon we will all begin to feel the summer downshift as the haze rolls in and attention wanders. Many June monsters are set to take the stage as May falls into the history bin, likely leading too many to overreact and once again providing opportunity for long-term focused investors. The data clips below that we're going to cover in a minute show the consumer remains pretty steady as retail sales are on the mend. We saw yesterday that personal incomes were solid and home prices were rising. There's a rush of data being released this week. We'll try to recover it on your cover it on your podcast for you. They're sure to create much new consternation and angst as the bears claw and pick away at our emotions and wonder in their heads, I'm sure, what the heck is the market not selling off for? PMI manufacturing data along with ISM data both came in positive. While above 50, they are beating expectations again. Reports suggested, though, that output had fallen for the first time since 2009. Interestingly enough, we should consider the input in for a moment first, and that is the miraculous fact that we have kept our manufacturing steady or slightly growing even as the massive collapse of orders in the energy sector was felt. As we've said before in podcasts, as that sector itself mends slowly and adjusts to more reasonable price levels, we will begin to see a nice return to output again. ISM came in steady as well, surprising to the upside. Expectations in both of these were for declines. So pretty, pretty funny, huh? Retail sales, the Red Book chain store sales were up nine-tenths of a percent year over year versus a four-tenths of a percent rise last week. They're 2.2% month-over-month higher than they were last month. And like I said, the April ISM Manufacturing Index came in at 51.3, quite a bit above the 50.6 expert expectation. Here's what's fascinating. While most fret over the latest data from China, a country on the opposite end of the demographic yardstick versus the United States, Summer churn will likely include the improvement in earnings expectations that will be overlooked. Here's a note. This week was the fourth straight week to the upside for large caps, and all three, the large cap, small cap, and mid cap sector of the market, 
all three of them, all three of those earnings expectations have been up in eight of the last nine weeks. That's something fascinating to think about. With the energy pressure easing, and remember what we talk about, energy pressure easing, this is all just a bunch of numbers, and everybody compares year-ago quarter numbers and quarter-over-quarter numbers, and what happens when you run this math is eventually you pass by the problem. Obviously, when I get to the fifth quarter of the four-quarter low, then I have erased that lowest number from my history, and miraculously, earnings start rising again. What should have been happening all along is we should have been recognizing that the only thing causing earnings to pause and fall a little bit was the massive reduction. The energy sector has lost 75% of its earnings, yet overall earnings are only down 1% or 2%, which means the rest of the economy, oddly enough, has been doing just fine. Once energy gets rid of its lowest four-quarter comparable, you're going to find that those numbers start looking an awfully lot better. And all the experts are going to tell you, surprise, surprise, earnings are improving. With that thought in mind, the growth rates now expected for 2016 and 17 are also edging upward as we get closer and closer to that round-trip mechanism that we still stand by the idea stands around September of this year. Large cap earnings are expected to grow 1% and 14%, respectively. Mid caps are expected to grow 3.8% and 12.9%, respectively. And the small cap world is expected to grow a little bit more. It's easier to grow a small cap business. Think about it. It's all math. 7.6% and 16%, respectively. I tell you again, as we've stated in many podcasts, it is looking more and more like 1994 and 1995 all over again. As the Fed officials continue to sway from deflation fears to inflation apocalypse, many have lost sight of the idea that a little steady inflation is a good thing. We'll cover more of that in detail in the next podcast. But let's close the note out here with a a note on the consumer. Recent podcasts have updated you on their leverage, their credit card costs, and household income and debt payment percentages, all of which show the consumer to be in far better shape than one would perceive reading the media antics. But let's cover what comes in the door, too, as it also shows steady improvement, oddly enough. Consumer spending posted its biggest gain since the summer of 2014 in April on a surge in goods consumption. Hey, look what happens after the winter weather rolls out. You start shopping again. It's pretty normal. Spending on motor vehicles shot up a surprising 5.4%, but I suspect they borrowed a little bit from this month, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a lower reading this month. But anyway, real consumer spending. Real consumer consumption expanded at 2.5% during the first three months ended April, okay? This might explain, this might explain why we had a little bit lower reading on auto sales this morning. Spending on durable goods accelerated at 2.9%. Real spending on services 
were up 2.5%. While incomes increased at a slower pace in April, they still outpaced those spending increases on a month-over-month basis and a three-month basis. This provides some comfort that consumer spending has lots of cushion and should remain robust as the summer break and vacation season approaches. Real income grew over 3% over that same three-month period. Wages and salaries were up 3.1%. What does that mean? The consumer is still adding to their $8.3 trillion of cash sitting in the bank earning nothing. Staying home is something we ought to think about. As investors, investing in the United States is a pretty safe thing to do. While the world tussles with pressures in many areas and as currency efforts continue to try to use the balance of competitive pressures, we must always step back from these near-term stats and understand the U.S. remains the only developed nation with a birth cycle exceeding replacement needs. We have a massive pipeline of supported demographics with Generation Y coming of age with multiple and growing waves of impact ahead. They are just starting to hit their household formation years. Like I said in the last podcast, it's the first inning of the game. Yeah, they waited longer, but guess what that means? There's a whole bunch of them to come, which is soon to be followed by even more births as families form yet an even larger audience. Even with that late start of Gen Y, Gen Z is right behind Generation Y. They're 0 to 10 years old right now, and they've remained steady in birth rates, which means we have a generation white right behind Generation Y that's as big as they are. That has never happened in the United States of America. We need to remain focused on this long-term aspect. These two large generations define a much better pathway ahead for the U.S. economy, far better and more stable than most other economies around the world. So let's continue to focus on this. Let's hope for a series of weaker points. Let's get some bad news out there so that it triggers a summer swoon. Sounds nutty, I know, but if you look back in history, summer swoons are usually, not always, but usually the best times to buy things because they end up being the low points of the year. The next 90 days are going to provide some sizable opportunities for the patient and long-term focused investor building towards their retirement. Surely, we have to understand the political campaigns will add much to the media cycle. But let's remember this. Let's keep in mind the lopsided sentiment and the thin trade ranges in the market. With everybody in the world nervous about the future, we need to get our emotions straight and understand that history proves repeatedly that this is the time an investor must think the other way. Time shifts one perspective of risk. I'm going to say that again. Time shifts one's perspective of risk. Our beneficial demographic trends mark decades of time ahead in our economic structure. The stage is set with a cast of people who will form surprising demand and shape unbelievable areas of growth for the next 50 years in our economy. They're already here. They're already born. They just have to grow up now. Just like 1980s, early 80s, late 70s, when the baby boom was just having to grow up, 
you basically have to just let time unfold and you will see surprising things come out of this quote-unquote paltry recovery. As investors and planners, we are paid to stand back far enough from the noise to see the main drivers of activity, the main driver of our growth, of all business, of all demand, of all production, of all new things to solve new problems, is repeatedly proven to be one thing and one thing only, people. Look, guys, I know this sounds repetitive, but based on our demography, the best days of the United States are still ahead of us, and we've got a lot of them. Surprising, just as surprising as if you and I were sitting here in, say, the summer of 81 or 82 and saying to ourselves, look how crappy the world looks out there. I can't imagine investing in a Dow at 1,000. I can't imagine risking money like that at areas that prices have never been. Imagine thinking that back in 19, the early 80s or even the late 70s. Imagine thinking, my God, it's terrible out there. If you could go back today and say to yourself, would I invest in Dow 1000? Obviously, we all know the answer. The problem is, is no one knows the future, and our mind plays tricks with us all the time. Just remember this, a summer pullback will be fantastic. So let's make sure, let's make certain we're ready for it. Until we see you again on the next podcast, hope these have been helpful to you. Hope these thoughts have been beneficial. And may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.